I think the big mistake that these tour companies make is that they focus too much on selling the product and not about creating content that's helpful for people. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success, we went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I, I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not gonna happen overnight and you're gonna make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. This is episode 10, and oh boy, is it a good one. I am joined by Sarah Funk a YouTube genius who has had incredible success with her travel channel, which is all about her hometown of New York City. We chat about how she went from being broke, living with her parents, and running a not-so-successful travel blog to developing multiple lucrative income streams and gaining more than 40 million views and 140,000 subscribers in less than three years. Obviously, this episode is great if you want to learn some really practical YouTube tips and strategies which can be applied to pretty much any travel business. Not only does she earn money as a travel content creator on YouTube, but she has also used her channel to build a successful tour business in New York as well as a vacation planning service, in addition to loads of other travel-related income streams. However, if you're listening to this now and thinking, hmm, YouTube's not really for me and so this episode might not really be of interest, I really beg you to reconsider. Sarah is incredibly business savvy and has an infectious personality. I'm pretty sure I laughed throughout the entire interview. And she is the only person I know who has made more money running virtual tours during the pandemic than she would have with a standard in-person tour. Honestly, her strategy with this was genius and really shows her incredible business prowess. So definitely stick around until the end to hear how she did it. I hope you love listening to Sarah as much as I loved interviewing her. I promise you're going to come away with lots of inspiration on how to improve your own business, whether that's through YouTube or somewhere else. So stay tuned. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge. I'm super excited and a little bit awestruck because I am joined by Sarah Funk, who runs the YouTube channel Sarah Funky. And it's just an incredible story. She started it in 2018. It now has 140,000 followers, which is just insane. She also runs her own New York City tour company, uh, is a host for GoDaddy's School of Hustle. She has an online course. I feel like the list just goes on. I don't know how you've managed to do it all, but I'm really looking forward to hearing, hearing how you've managed to do it all. So yeah, welcome to the show, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to be on. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily share how I did this and uh, to quickly answer your question, how do you do it all? You don't, you hire people. <laughs> That's how that problem solved. <laughs> that is good yeah. to know. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to more tidbits like that. But before we get into the business side of things, could you just share a little bit more about your background and how you got into the travel industry to begin with? 
Yeah, sure. So I um, always love traveling. Um, and I guess the reason I decided to actually go into the travel business was because I had done everything that I was told to do in life, you know, uh, go to college, get a master's degree, like get hired by a big, important sounding company. And I just, I did all of that. And I, I really was not happy. And I looked at my life and I realized, you know what, the thing that's missing is travel. And at the time, the, the job I had, they did not allow me to have more than 10 vacation days a year, which was very restricting for someone that loves traveling. You're pretty much limited to like a certain part of the world. And you could really only do like one vacation a year or like two short ones. So I thought, okay, well, I want to be able to do kind of what Anthony Bourdain does. And so I kind of like worked backwards and saw like, this is what he's achieved. How can I achieve that today? Uh, and my solution was starting a, a blog, which was, this was in 2015 when I first came up with the idea. When I started the blog, I thought, well, like this is a thing. I think people can make money with this. The problem was I didn't really have a super clear vision it was a like a travel blog, but also like things to do in New York. It was all like unique things to do in New York and around the world. Um, but I didn't really have a clear vision. And I think I learned a lot in the beginning of starting this. Uh, I kind of like went a lot of different directions and I didn't follow through with really any of them long enough to see if they worked or didn't work. And I didn't really know what I was doing in summary, if we just want to put it one thing, but that's fine because when you start something new, you never really know what you're doing, but the point is you're trying, right? So I was happy with that. So um, I decided that I was so busy running this blog, um, just writing articles and doing Instagram, that it was really, really challenging to do my full-time job. I had started making like a very minimal amount of money on the blog. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go all in quit my job. I'm going to travel the world for a year and it's going to be epic. And I'm going to come up with like all of this amazing content. It's going to skyrocket me to success. Well, traveled, it was amazing, um, but definitely did not skyrocket to success. And I think that's all because I didn't have a super clear vision of what my brand was. So when people went to my Instagram or my blog, it was like all over the place. Like it was travel, but it was also New York and it was also like events and it was like, what is happening here? And I was inconsistent with posting. So I come back from traveling in uh, 2018, January of 2018. And I've been doing this now for a year without a quote unquote real job, as they say. And I realized uh, I have almost no money. I had to move back in with my parents and I gave myself six months to make this work. Um, before I would actually work, you know, start applying to a real, a real job, as they say in the, they consider real jobs. I feel like a lot of people, unfortunately, don't consider what I do a real job, but it is a lot, it's so much work. Um, <laughs> so I, during my travels, I learned about this YouTube channel. Um, it was called Honest Guide Prague. And he literally just dove deep into things to do in Prague from a local perspective on YouTube. And I was like, wow, this could be amazing in New York. Why doesn't someone do this? Because if you go on YouTube right now, all of the travel guides are made by travel vloggers, which is fine, except the fact that travel vloggers 
aren't local New Yorkers. So their suggestions I found were very catered towards like the very, very basic tourist things to do and not like the really cool things that you know as a local. And so I just started making videos every single week. I put out a video for uh, four or five months. And man, I felt like people were ignoring me. Like I was like, oh my God, is this worth it? And then finally one day, one of my videos went viral. It was called New York's Worst Tourist Traps. And when that went viral, what happens when a piece of content goes viral and you've created content around that at a, a similar quality that people would like is YouTube will recommend the viral video. And then when people watch that, they're also going to be recommended your other videos. And so now I had all these people that were coming to New York, starting to watch all my videos. And within the next six months, I started working with Travel and Leisure. I was being flown all over the world, being paid to go to Dubai, which was crazy. <laughs> like they paid me to go to Dubai in the past. They were paid <laughs> to do that. Um, so all uh, so all of these things spiraled really quickly. Um, at the end of that year, so many people have been reaching out to me and being like, hey, do you do tours? And I didn't, but people kept asking. And so I thought, hmm, maybe this could be a business. So I started the tour company at the end of 2018. And then, um, well, I did my first tour at the end of 2018, which was horrible. So I apologize for <laughs> that lovely group of people that were on my first tour. I was so nervous. Um, and then I officially launched the company in April because then we traveled for three months at the beginning of 20, uh, 2019. Um, but long story short, by the end of 2019, we were doing around four tours a week and it was going really, really well. Then the pandemic hit. Um, then you have to innovate. So we we're doing live tours on YouTube. And now we're, you know, in 2021, the tour company's uh, running again. And we have a bunch of different, um, different like businesses essentially that relate to the brand. So that was, I tried to summarize that as much as possible for you. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, there's so much going on there. I already have so many questions and things to unpack. Okay. Um, just to start from the beginning, really. So like when you got your blog and you said, you know, you weren't really sure what kind of content to put out and you found this uh, Prague YouTube channel. And that gave you more of a niche, but even then New York is massive. Like there's so many things that you can write about. How, how did you decide what is the best content for your blog or for your YouTube video, um, specifically about New York? Cause even that isn't, I mean, it's a niche, but you could, it's, it's still so broad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after I traveled for a whole year, I learned a lot about what travelers really need to know when they're visiting a new destination. And so what I did first was I just hit the main things that I felt like was not being answered on the internet uh, correctly. And I made a video on what you need to know before visiting New York, um, New York's worst tourist traps, secret spots in New York. I made a video called how to get uh, from the New York City airports without being ripped off to the city center without being ripped off. Um, I made like where to stay in New York. That's cheap, but awesome. Pretty much, uh, that concept budget eats like things like that, that I would have found helpful if I was visiting New York for the first time. 
And I always reference back to like when I was traveling and things that actually were helpful for me to know, like, where do I get a cell phone plan Mm. in New York? You know, like I made videos on the very basics first. And then those videos people found very helpful. And then once I saw which videos performed the best, I made more content like that. And I just kept replicating that model. So it was like, what's performing best? Okay, it's this. Then let me do more of this. This one didn't perform well. Why is that? Let me look at the analytics. Where did the drop off occur? Like, why didn't people click on this? Why didn't people want to watch this? How can I improve? So it's constantly a evolving model when you're doing something like this. It's a lot of people just look at it and think like, oh, you just like make videos and and that's what you do. But it's there's a lot of data that goes into this to make it successful. Yeah, it's it seems yeah. that way. It seems just from I I mean I don't I've never posted a video on YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube, but I don't know the ins and outs of it at all. Mm-hmm. But just from listening to people who have had a lot of success with it, it seems like. The, the focus really needs to be in the numbers and it's not a, a guessing game, but you need to really analyze that data and look at what your audience is after and just, and just focus on that. It's true. And there's a really great um, software that you can buy. It's called TubeBuddy. It's like an online thing that connects to your YouTube and you can search different titles and it will give you a rating based on how many people search for that and then how many people have made a video on that. And it gives you an overall rating of what their expectations are that a video with that title would be successful. So instead of like just filming my day-to-day life, like whatever happens, I would do it very, very planned and analytical. Like I would first research topics that I personally felt like would be useful to people And then if TubeBuddy said they would be high ranking in SEO, then I would make them because SEO is so powerful in bringing people search. SEO stands for search engine optimization for those that don't know. And essentially, um, if you can get a topic that appears when people search for anything related to that topic, so like New York City, for example, right? Like you want your content to appear first. And that's the power of SEO. So by playing the SEO game from the start, your content's going to appear and then people are going to watch it. And then you can use, then you can monetize that to help support your passion of whatever the content you're creating is. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And we'll definitely link to that software in the show notes. I haven't heard of that before, but I'm definitely going to check it out. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Out of, out of curiosity, so you're running your blog at the same time as you're running your YouTube channel. Is there any overlap in the content you're putting out on your blog and your YouTube channel? Yes. So for every video I would put out, for example, New York's Worst Tourist Traps, I would put a blog with uh, essentially the same information. Um but sometimes I'll put a bit more information that is a little bit too detailed for YouTube because you have to remember like people have short attention spans. So YouTube is more about like storytelling and, and creating uh, like just make binge binge worthy content. That's what it's about. Right. So it's like people want to just watch multiple videos in a row, but if you get too detailed and I see a lot of new YouTubers making this mistake They'll just go way too much into detail on one topic and make a whole video on it. It's very unlikely unless that 
there's a high SEO search element to that, that that video will be successful. So what I used the blog for was just to go more in depth in the things that I talked about in the video. So normally for each section in a video, I would talk about something for one to two minutes max. Obviously, you can talk about a lot of stuff in New York for way longer than one to two minutes. But I found that by keeping the videos concise with multiple things that people need to know and keep each of those things one to two minutes, it keeps the people watching, mm -hmm. which the YouTube algorithm, when they see people are continuously watching, they'll recommend the video more. Right. So that's the power of that. The other cool thing about using the blog within YouTube is that you can link to affiliate things really easily. So affiliate means you have some type of partnership with the product or service that you're talking about and you are uh, you know, getting a percent of the sale, aka a commission from if someone purchases that because they saw it on your video. So I did a video called um, What to Wear by Month in New York. And I had the video and I did like each month and it was like literally like 15 seconds. Like it was like a very quick video by, well, maybe it was a little bit, it was like 30 seconds or 45 per month, but whatever. <laughs> the point is it was like very concise and I didn't have time in the video to be like, this shirt is from here. This jacket is from here. Because the thing is, if people want to know that, they can they look in the video description. So I just put the article to the blog post with all of that detail. And then every single item that I wore, I put affiliate links. So it's, even though that video doesn't have the most views of my channel, that is the one that I get probably the most affiliate revenue from because I did the blog connection and people like what I'm wearing in the video. So they go to the blog and they're like, I want this or like, oh, that will be helpful when I come to New York, you know, and they'll buy it right from there. So those are the two ways that I use the blog to kind of integrate with YouTube. That's brilliant. And I watched your video on your different income streams and it is pretty mind blowing because I think a lot of people just assume that you can make money through, you know, advertising on YouTube or um, just getting a certain number of views. But when you bring in things like affiliate marketing and all the other ways that you're bringing in income, it can really explode in terms of the financial uh, potential with YouTube itself. Yeah, it's very, very true. Um, I think like the cool thing about YouTube is that unlike other social platforms like Instagram, um, you are able to make ad revenue. Uh, and that's what's awesome about it, right? So like, even if you just put out a video like three years ago, to this day, that video is still making me money every single day. So the more videos I put out, the more money I make because every video is still getting views. And every time someone views that video, I get a little bit of ad revenue. So it adds up to a substantial amount at this point every single month. And then that's just one revenue stream because YouTube, you have sponsorships, which is like a massive one. Brand sponsorships are huge. You have affiliate revenue. You have licensing. So a lot of people, um, a lot of brands uh, will look at content on YouTube just to pull the, the video footage to license for a commercial. And so in that situation, um, they would reach out to you and say, hey, we love this like section. Can we buy the license to that to use it in a commercial or whatever? 
and that happens quite often actually then you have products and services uh so that's a really smart one to do that i think more youtubers should do is create your own product or service uh that relates to what you talk about because your audience is already watching you because you're an expert in whatever your subject matter is so if you present them with a product or service that you created around that subject matter most likely they're going to purchase it because they already have the trust and the relationship established with you um what other ways there's so, so many ways i like lose track of them <laughs> course sales but that's under product and service oh well i feel like product and service there's a lot of categories there so i have tours <laughs> i have vacation planning i have ebooks um then i have like random merch items like I, you can buy a custom postcard that i like write uh you like a welcome message to new york if you want did i already say course sales in this one i don't know i'm just going to say <laughs> course sales <laughs> so i have a course on building building a business like this to teach people how to do it oh i know this one's not product or service but this is i feel like i hit oh ebooks did i say that yeah okay it's yeah, hard to keep track of <laughs> which like is a, a good lot. thing <laughs> yeah yeah it, the thing is it's cool because all of these things like once you set them up if you set them up properly you don't have to run them so they just make money by themselves you don't do anything the tours are more hands-on and same with vacation planning but the other stuff it's like people just buy it you know and i don't have to do anything it just happens and it just makes me money every day and it's cool like it's really awesome especially because when i started this i was making like zero dollars <laughs> um the other way that's very 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 uh, a good income stream hosting show hosting so on youtube um some sometimes you'll get presented with the opportunity to actually be an on camera host So I'm an on-camera host for a show with GoDaddy called School of Hustle, which is all about entrepreneurship where I interview entrepreneurs in all stages of their journey. Uh we've interviewed everyone from like beginners to billionaires. So that taught me a lot in running a business too. And then I'm also a host on Travel and Leisure, and both of those opportunities came from those brands finding me on YouTube and saying, "Oh, this could be like the perfect person for the the show we have in mind." and those things are are they pay well um i think i covered most income streams but honestly it's like a blur i think those are the main ones i always forget like a massive one i always forget one but like those are the main ones <laughs> yeah was was there a particular income stream you focused on as a goal in the beginning or mm-hmm. i mean i think for someone who is just getting started as amazing as all that sounds i think it also could feel a bit overwhelming like where what should you focus on what what totally. where do you spend your time um what what would you recommend for someone just getting going so my recommendation is when you're starting you need to set yourself up for success that's so important it sounds like so vague right what i mean by that is before you focus too much on i need to make money i need to make money which obviously is very important instead come up with a very clear brand image that's easy for people to understand what you do and really focus on creating content around your subject matter i'm telling you this from experience when i first started in 2015 i was way too focused on like how can i make money and it took me literally 3 years of constantly changing directions and being super freaking confusing 
before I focused on one niche and w- by focusing on that niche, which was New York, then everything blew up. If I had just focused on one niche from the start, then it would have blown up much faster. First, that needs to happen, right? So now that, you know, if we're going down the timeline, right, now that you have your very focused niche and you've created content around it, now you can think about monetizing, okay? Because now you've already established what you talk about. It's clear to people what you talk about. Now we can start the monetization process. And by doing that, um, if, if you're going to go the route I did, which is YouTube, just get the basic things in order right from the start, right? Like, so you want to be able to turn on monetization on your YouTube channel. In order to do that, you have to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of view time, which um, sounds like a lot, but you will hit it faster than you realize. So just turn that on. That's just like a switch that like takes zero effort. The next thing you're going to want to do, and by the way, once you turn that on, you never think about it again. That's why it's like establishing yourself for success early on, because if you forget to switch that thing on and you now have 20,000 subscribers, guess what? You just missed out on a ton of revenue. Okay. So just get that thing set up from the start. The other thing you should get set up from the start is affiliate links. The reason I say this is because if you write a blog post or you have something on a YouTube channel, that you're talking about. Just put that affiliate link in that video description or that blog post, and then you're done. You never touch it again. Every single time someone comes to that and they buy that product or service, you're gonna make money from it. So those are things where you just, it's a one and done deal. Those are really easy. They're like little nuggets of gold that you just like place ready. It's like a trap, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but like a nice trap, you know, like it sounds evil when I say it like that. It's just like a trap to catch the money. Like you don't ever, you place it, you set it up and then you just leave it alone. The more complicated revenue streams um, that require day-to-day correspondence and planning, sponsorships. Uh, Those involve the ability to negotiate, the ability to understand what you're offering, the value of that and how much the brand should really pay you. Um, And it involves you pitching a lot. And so that is going to be much, much harder to achieve success with if you haven't already established your niche, because you can pitch a thousand people, but if those brands, when you, when they get that pitch email, go to your page or your, whatever your insert social handle, and it's super confusing what you do, they're immediately going to ignore your email. So those things need to like be done once you've already made it clear your niche. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the very short answer would be focus on setting up the ad revenue and the affiliate revenue first, and then move on to the more complicated stuff, which would be sponsorships, products, and services. <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, that's a good, I think that's a good starting place. Yeah. Uh, when When you first came to YouTube, did you come with any videography, background or what about the technical side of things how do you shoot the videos that you're creating right yeah so um when I first started YouTube I had no experience at all with video (laughs) um I asked my friend who like was an amateur photographer what a good camera is for video and he recommended a video camera which honestly not not great uh, because it didn't have autofocus, which was very challenging to shoot video with. Um, 
so that was the thing uh so it was a lot of like trial and error I don't know but the thing is like you can learn everything online so I just would I would honestly watch YouTube videos on how to how to shoot one thing I will say editing is for me it it will slow the whole process tremendously editing takes way more time than I think people realize for example for my average YouTube video at this point it is a about a week long process back and forth between me and the editor before that video actually gets published on YouTube and that's after it's already shot so wow. Um, yes, it's totally possible to edit a video the day of that. It's totally possible, but like I've always set my standards for production high because I want it to stand out from the others. Um, so I just like kind of created content that I thought looked more cinematic and that ended up being a really, uh, good move because then I got more licensing opportunities. More brands wanted to hire me to shoot. Oh, that was another revenue stream, by the way, shooting production for brands, like shooting commercials and stuff and doing social media management for brands. See, I told you I forgot one. <laughs> I told you I forgot one. Um, but because of the quality of my production, more people were interested in working with me because they wanted to be associated with a higher level of production. Um, so... I just learned online. I didn't have any experience. I just learned online. Yeah. So were, were you editing your own videos at the start and then eventually got an editor in or did from the get go, did you have someone editing the videos? So I tried to edit my videos from the start and it was super frustrating. And every time I did it, it looked like so bad. <laughs> it just looked so bad. Like I don't know how to use text. I don't know how to use transitions. I didn't understand graphics or animation. And so I would try to like add in text and it looked like an elementary student did it. <laughs> so when I first started, I did edit a few videos and then I was like, you know what? It's taking me like five days to edit one video. This is a very bad use of my time. And so the small amount of money I had left over after I traveled the world, I decided to hire an editor to edit my videos and I found him on Upwork. And all of my income went to the editor. Like I was breaking even for literally like six months um, and living with my parents, which was not cool because I was like almost 30 at the time, <laughs> but I was like, it's going to work. Um, so yeah, it was a sacrifice, but it worked out in the end, you know, editing is just very time consuming. And the way I look at it is like, if I can give this to someone, then I can work on improving my brand image and getting more opportunities. And that's what I did. And that worked out really well for me. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely seems that way. And yeah. you, you mentioned at the beginning that you went viral and that was kind of the the video that skyrocketed everything. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any tips? Is there a secret, you know, a formula to going viral or are there any tips or is it just pure luck of the draw sort of thing yeah it's tricky it's a little bit of both um so definitely luck of the draw <laughs> but also there are things that will increase your success of going viral um one of those things is playing with people's emotions there's certain emotions that people are drawn to 
funny, things that are funny, things that are shocking, things that make them sad, um, things that make them really happy or cute things. There's a reason why a lot of baby and puppy videos go viral, you know? <laughs> People send, tend to like gravitate towards that because it's like this warm, fuzzy feeling. One of the reasons why my worst tourist traps video went viral is because there was like a shock factor. Like, oh my God, these are, these are like so bad. I can't believe this happens in New York. And mm -hmm. having that shock factor and playing up on that or whatever the extreme emotion you're playing up on, it really does increase your success. So one of my videos I recently published, um, it went it went pretty, I mean, I consider like a million views going viral, but like this video has only been out for like three weeks and it almost has like half a million views. And it's a video where I went undercover and dressed as a tourist and went into Times Square and like literally put myself in all the tourist traps. And that video like went, like it got, it went viral. Like it like went crazy. And that's because it had that element of like, oh my God, another video that um, went really, did really well was I did a video on buying my first apartment in New York and like the thumbnail, you kind of have to like draw them in. So I put like $2.6 million and then like a shock face of me. And then it said like, am I going broke? And people are like, is she, you know, <laughs> like, so it's like all about like getting that anticipation, that intrigue and combining that with extreme emotion, uh, that will increase your chances of going viral, but it won't guarantee it. If there was a guaranteed formula for going viral, everyone will be doing that. <laughs> and, um, I'm not aware of it at this point. <laughs> no, that's really good advice. Um, yeah. Just and like last sort of technical question I guess I have on YouTube is what what is the best length of a video? Is there a sort of sweet spot that you want to aim for or uh, does it really depend on the kind of content you're putting out? Um, you want to go over 10 minutes. Um, the reason is because then they're, they, it's monetized more. So you're going to make more money. There's a little switch on YouTube that you can enable additional monetization and I didn't know that uh it came out I believe it came out sometime during 2018 or 2019 and I had already been monetized the normal way but deep within the monetization section there's like this part that's like add add like add occasionally throughout the video it's not always going to show you an ad but it will show maybe more ads by doing this, I doubled my ad revenue in one month. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is cool. You can only do that on videos that are over 10 minutes. So mm -hmm. that's why I say um, just to help support your content creation and your channel, you should aim to have your video be 10 minutes. However, if you don't have enough to say, don't just talk and talk and talk just to hit the 10 minute mark because that video is not going to perform well. Um, so it's, it is a balance, you know, like you want to, ideally, yes, you want it to be 10 minutes or longer, but don't just like fill in the time with nonsense just to get it to 10 minutes. Uh, it's better if your video is high quality and shorter because it will be shown to more people than 10 minutes and like terrible. Yeah. 
If it's 10 minutes and also high quality, that's even better. (laughs) (laughs) And it seems like consistency is also super important. Would you say people have to be uploading videos at least once a week or is there, is there a minimum that you need to show up on YouTube? Um, yes. Yeah. So I do it once a week and the YouTube algorithm will definitely, I've noticed personally, this is my personal thing. Uh, That if I stop posting for like a few weeks, when I do post that video, like won't be shown to as many people because I like kind of fell out of it. And and it makes sense, actually. So like, say you posted a video that did really, really well. And then right. And now you have all these people watching that video, right? Now you post another video. Well, there's still people watching that video that's doing really, really well. So YouTube sees you post another video. They're going to be like, oh. Sarah posted another video, watch this one. And that's not because they want to help you. Let's be clear. (laughs) That's because they want to keep people watching YouTube so they can put more ads in their face and make money from them. That's why they do it. So once you understand like the greedy desire behind social platforms, it really helps. The Mm -hmm. platforms don't, this sounds mean, but I'm just going to be blunt. (laughs) The platforms don't care about you. They care about keeping people on that platform so more people will see ads. So what your job is to play play the game with them because you want your content to be seen is to create content that people are interested in, which is like extremely challenging because that's so broad. But if your content always attracts people, the algorithm, aka whatever the social platform is, is going to recommend it because they know that people stay on your content so they can show more ads on it. That's how it works. Right. Kind of messed up, but that's like the corporate America reasoning for it. Right. So it's like if I'll scratch your back, if you scratch mine, you you keep the viewers on YouTube and in, in response will, you know, push your content forward to those viewers a bit more often. Yeah, except that conversation never happens, by the way. <laughs> like this yeah. is just something this is something I've learned from like researching uh a lot about social media and um just understanding corporate America because I've worked in it, you know. Mm. Now I'm I'm really curious about the relationship between your YouTube channel and your tour company in New York. Mm-hmm. Um it's really because I've been looking on YouTube to see if many other tour companies are utilizing it to draw customers. And I haven't seen that many. I haven't come across that many. And more often than not, it seems like it's a a YouTube personality or influencer who then decides to use their platform to offer tours rather than the reverse of an established tour company using YouTube to bring more customers in. Um, I'm just wondering if if you've found that at all, and if you think there is space for established walking tour or uh, multi-day tour operators to make better use of YouTube to to get more customers in. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone do it. Um, actually, I, there's one other person doing it, but like I think the big mistake that these tour companies make is that they focus too much on selling the product and not about creating content that's helpful for people. So the reason I started the tour company was because people kept asking me to give them tours. But there was another reason, too. It was all of these tour companies were suddenly asking me to promote their tours on my channel. 
And when I did, all these people booked it. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am I promoting their tours? I could literally start my own tour company and make way more money doing that. And then I have complete control over the tours and can recommend like the exact things that I love to people because people already like what I'm um, recommending. So then I created my own tours and then soft push them in videos. It's really important that you're not going to, that you don't feel like an ad. And every time I've seen a tour company do YouTube videos, it's just like, it comes off wrong from what I've seen because they're like so salesy. Like they're, they're like, buy our tours, buy our tours, buy our tours. Like the whole video is like, it just, it's like, no one would watch that. You know, like no one wants to watch like random people walking around, like with like cool high energy music, like who would choose to watch that video no one so they mm -hmm. don't the problem is like they they need to focus more on creating content that is helpful to people and then casually reference that if people are interested they can join the tours my rule is 80 percent content 20 percent sales so 80 percent of what i do is just free content to help people have an awesome time in new york and that's the main goal because i have other ways to monetize which i built into it but if they want to, they can also do my tours. They can do my vacation planning services. They could get an ebook. Um, those are things that like are extra resources for them. So yes, I do think there's a lot of space that is available online for this. Um, it's just, I haven't seen anyone do it. I remember when the pandemic first hit, I was the first tour operator that I'm aware of anywhere i'm sure somewhere else on the planet did this but uh i just took all my tours live stream immediately literally the like from i think the first time we did it was march 16th or something it was like literally the day new york city declared a state of emergency and it was before the lockdown i live streamed everything and i realized very quickly oh this is a interesting income stream because all these people that can't come to New York, they still, they're bored, they're stuck at home. And this is the next best thing to like traveling. And so we would have like 800 people watching at once. All of those people would tip and we would make more money from a live stream than from an in-person tour. Wow. It was incredible. And no, and like the only time tour companies started doing this same thing. And the, in my opinion, they did it incorrectly. They started doing it like, literally it was like it was like december of 2020 so they had they missed like nine months because they were too afraid to give away their tour routes and i'm like listen no one's gonna want to go on a virtual tour versus an in-person tour so even if they join your virtual tour they're still gonna when they come to new york they're still gonna be more interested in going on your live tour than than doing a freaking virtual tour so and they're not going to remember every detail either because it's a live stream um so yeah the and then and then the other thing they were doing was they would charge so they wouldn't broadcast it for free which is an amazing marketing tool by the way um they would charge like 20 dollars per person and so then then they would have to run these live tours with like max 10 people that paid 20 dollars that's mm -hmm. a the revenue there is $200. Meanwhile, I broadcast live. We get like anywhere between 600 and 800 people. Most people will tip. Even if people only tip a dollar, 
you're still making like 600 to $800 minimum. That's the minimum. Wow. So, and that's, that's like only in an hour and a half, you know? So it's crazy. I just, um, I think like a lot of tour companies don't innovate fast enough. Um, and it's really, it, the thing is, it's really hard right now. I totally feel that their pain, but um, you can't, you can't hold uh, like onto the old ways when things are changing so fast. You have to be flexible in these environments. Absolutely. And, and what would you say, what do you see for your tour business in the future going forward? What is your focus uh, to continue to grow that? Yeah. So now that, well, it's like, Hopefully this pandemic ends soon. I'm not counting on it, but um, essentially I was thinking, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of the in-person tours again. Um, and those are selling decently. Um, they were selling much better before the pandemic, but like most of the world still can't come here. So, you know, you kind of work with what you have. Um, I was considering doing live tours again. Maybe if this Delta variant starts becoming an issue, then I'll do that again. But I really, I don't, I, I'm really busy because I just had a baby. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to like do that. Um, but I, I, you know, the, the tour, it's, it's more than just the tour company though. I really am focusing on like vacation planning services now and I have the tours running and we're going to keep adding to them. But um, I want to launch vacation packages. So like you, you know, you just buy like a week in New York and it's like all of this amazing stuff's included in the vacation package and you don't have to plan anything. And it's just like the best of the best. And it's like all just like presented to you and like a little bow ready to go. And that's like my next goal. Um, because I kind of, the tours are just running by themselves pretty much now. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at <laughs> currently. That sounds very exciting. And congratulations on having uh, the baby. I mean, I just, I don't know how you, you're such a content machine. Like you've, you create content everywhere. In addition to being a, a, a new mom, it's absolutely incredible. Um, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot even imagine. Um, yeah, I could, I could ask you questions for days. You are such a hive mind of knowledge. I figure before we go, do you have any last tips or advice for people who um, are maybe just starting out who are interested in, I mean, you spoke a lot about getting into YouTube, but I guess just being an, a, a new entrepreneur and, and working in, in travel. Yeah. So my biggest piece of advice is just get started. That sounds so basic, but like so many people don't actually get started. They talk about getting started. They do maybe a little research. They maybe buy a domain name, but then they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, should I really do this? Just do it. Just <laughs> do it. Just do it. Okay. Like we all, like a, a lot of people have imposter syndrome. I still have imposter syndrome. It's like when you, you're like, well, I, I'm not an expert enough to talk about this. Like I, I can't do this because like I'm not a professional. No, any Anyone that starts out is not a professional. Like no one's just born a professional, you know, like you, you create that. So just get started and just do it. And you'll learn along the process. Don't get frustrated by failure. It's super common failure. Um, there's one of my favorite quotes is um, the master fails more than the novice even tries. Uh, so think about it like that, you know, like anything you do, you're going to fail a few times, but Anyone that's ever accomplished anything has failed a thousand more times. 
than you have just trying to start this. So just start it, just start it and embrace <laughs> the failures, like celebrate the successes because if you don't start somewhere, it's never going to happen. And that's it. Wow. That, that is excellent advice to end on, I think. Um, yeah, like I've said, I've really, really enjoyed this. Sarah, if people want to learn more about you, check out your YouTube channel. Uh, where is the best place for them to do that? They can find everything on sarahfunky.com. Um, but if they want the YouTube channel in particular, just type in Sarah Funk or Sarah Funky on YouTube and everything should appear right there. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Thank you again. And yeah, I look forward to following you on YouTube. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>